from Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Field, bringing you stories and insights from today's most inspiring horsemen and women. When you trust your horse, I feel like you can do the best shot job you possibly can showing them off, you know. Hey everyone, welcome back to Finding the Field. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I'm very excited to bring you this week's guest. This 2018 Top 5 NRCHA rider comes from a family legacy of horse people whose legendary breeding program helped shape the industry into what it is today. Still a family business, Justin Wright Performance Horses has been crushing it at all of the top events. In fact, Justin took home the NRCHA Derby Championship the last two years in a row. So welcome, Justin. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for coming down. So fill in the gaps from that intro. Tell us a bit more about your life um, I grew up in the in the horse industry. We had a, a bunch of broodmares and, and stood several studs at our ranch. Um, as I grew up and and we sold a lot of horses to non pros and open competitors in the rain cow horse and um, it just kind of led into where we're at today. And you grew up working with your parents. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. Um, my dad, when I was a freshman in high school, my dad had gotten real sick, <clears throat> and so I had actually started independent study and stayed home at the ranch, and um, the economy was changing, and we were selling all of his yearlings um, previously, and then as things started shifting gears, people that were buying those colts, one of them started, and so I got into starting the colts there at the place, and, and because... We had to just in order to get them sold. Um, so it was fun. It was always a, a very fun family atmosphere. Um, they taught me a lot about the horse industry growing up. As your um, parents bred a couple of really, really famous studs. Yep, yep. And that was actually <clears throat> one of the most influential things, I think, that, that put me in the direction of the rain cow horses we had a stud smoke'em's prize and that was kind of right when I started showing interest in riding and showing was when he came along and um, Sean Ranch on Ted Robinson showed him at Snaffle Bit Fraternity and I'll never forget that moment when when he won the fraternity and and how special that was and us raising him and then we ended up buying him back years later and and standing him there as well and um, but that that was one thing that I can remember when I knew this is what I wanted to do, was seeing that horse win the fraternity that, that year. So working with your parents and having access to horses like that, how do you think that shaped your program today? Um, I went at it a bit different than some trainers do. I never really went out and, and was an assistant for, for another trainer. So it was um, <clears throat> parts of it were very beneficial. Parts of it, it took me a long time to figure out things that would have been easier if I if I would have went and been an assistant at, at a at a trainer's <coughs> barn and um, learned some drills and exercises and what was right from wrong. But one thing that um, one thing that was very special and, and looking back on it now, having the access to the horses that they gave me was was pretty amazing, you know, and they there was no there was no need for them to do that other than me being their son, you know, and um, I got to learn. Those horses taught me a lot, you know. It wasn't like they were giving me the ones that didn't sell. They gave me some really nice horses to ride and try to learn how to train and mess up. And <laughs> so that that it was it was very influential. 
And then in your your first maturity at 16, you walked out with three buckles. Yeah, yeah, and it was pretty much a disaster, the whole thing. But I had a really good horse. Um, it's funny, we laugh about it now. My brother won the Snafflebit Fraternity in 1985. And so I would go get some help from, I, I've gotten, I had gotten some help along the way, um, but I had not a clue what I was in for, um, honestly. And I would play those videos of my brother showing from the mid-80s, you know, and I show up there and the style had changed a lot. So <laughs> I was going pretty fast, and um, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the horse that you showed, what was his name? His name was Mr. Hollywood Rooster. Oh, was he, he was um he was a rooster stallion, a Gallo del Cielo. He was a buckskin stallion and um there was a lot of days that weren't easy with him. But he was uh he was a very athletic horse and and he was fun. Yeah. So a lot of days that weren't easy with him. Yeah. Was more about that. Well being a sixteen year old 15, 16-year-old boy and trying to train a 3-year-old stud, I don't know if it was a, the smartest idea ever, but it ended up working out. Yeah. What do you think that horse taught you? How hard this <laughs> game really is, you know, it was, I, I was kind of going in there pretty blind to it, um, but just how much work it was, um, up until that point, you know, I thought you could ride him around a little bit and just bring him to the show pin you know but knowing how much um and and over the years it's evolved a bunch and every year is a huge learning game for us on how to be prepared um but i was not prepared whatsoever with that horse you know and he did he did stick behind me and and i got to win a little bit on him and um got to make the finals on him there and at the derby and the stakes the following year and um so he was very influential because he 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 did he did do good for me, um, but just going in there with no preparation whatsoever. <laughs> so no preparation versus kind of your preparation today. What's the, the big difference there? Well, you can't be overprepared um, and just not taking anything for granted, um, trying to evolve the program. We were just talking about it here the other day <clears throat> and, and controlling your no nerves when you show, but if you're if you're prepared it's a lot easier to go in there with a confident attitude and and you know believe in your horse believe in your training so so you don't cram all that training down their throat right there at the horse show as a beginner showman i would get to the horse show and see all this new stuff well you naturally want to go practice all that new stuff that you're watching these guys and your idols and heroes do um so now we take a lot more time throughout the year to get help and guidance from from our peers and and you know the, the guys that we're real close to in this industry and the industry is really neat because everybody's very you know greeting and and open armed when you ask for help. Um, so being more you know getting that help earlier in the year, practicing practicing and getting prepared for for the upcoming shows and then when you get to the horse show, hopefully you don't have to watch everybody else and try what they're doing trust your training. So your parents obviously had a huge impact on your career. What about any other early mentors? Oh gosh. There's been there's been a lot of people that have 
been very generous in, in helping. You know, I learned a lot from my dad. I learned a lot from my brother growing up. Don Buttry was a famous cult starter in the Valley, um, and he, he was very uh, generous when I was a young boy of having me come over there and, and got to help him start some two-year-olds and, and be around their program and see a, see a working program. And <clears throat> I think back to that a lot now. What did he teach you about starting start cults? Patience. That was probably the biggest one, you know, and, and there's something that he said that we still <clears throat> we still try to practice a lot here. Um, he told me one time, he says, if, if you can improve these cults a half a percent a day, you'll be one of the um, greatest horsemen alive. And it sounded pretty simple at that, at that time, you know, it didn't seem like it was that much, but I, I think about that a lot. Can you give us an example of having patience? An example, um, you know, it's it's just it's day in and day out, not getting in a jam with them or not getting in a speed trap with them, um, in a speed trap meaning not going too fast and trying to trying to progress them too fast, um, riding them each day for, you know, for where they're at in their training program. Um, I still we're still practicing at it. <laughs> Ongoing lessons. Yes. Speaking of lessons. Can you tell us about a time where maybe you feel like you failed or you made a mistake as a horseman, either in the show pen or in the training situation, and what you learned from that? Uh, honestly, that happens usually every day by noon. Okay. <laughs> um, there's things that could be a lot easier and a lot more simple than what we make it, and, and just trying to be aware of the situation and, and not let it get out of, out of hand giving the horse the benefit of the doubt and yeah it's there's been a lot of fails what is your approach like when, when working with your horses I want them to trust me um, I want them to uh, you know I, is I, I think one thing throughout the year is building that confidence in that horse that they I don't know if this is the right words for it, but you, they'd give your they give their life for you, you know. And they walk in that show pen, and and or it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a show horse, but when when times get tough, that they are willing to help you out as much as they possibly can, um, and and that's been that's been hard as a young trainer um, learning that because. It's easy, you know. It's easy to get these young colts, you know, on on the wrong side of of the learning edge, and um, <clears throat> maybe have them get a little mad and frustrated at you. Um, and so that's been that's been one of the you know the key things I think is learning how to have them horses, teaching a horse how to learn, um, and and having them trust you completely that they're going to work for you. Something I hear a lot from a lot of the trainers is, is building confidence yeah. and, and trust. Talking about confidence, how do you build confidence in a horse? Um, well, a com consistent program, you know, get out there every day. Um, I think the harder work ethic that you have, the harder work ethic that horse is going to develop. Um, 
you know, and just like I said, don't get in a speed jam. Don't go too fast. Don't put too much pressure on them. Um, you know, and, and try to try to progress them along at a half a percent a day. And then don't don't do yourself in and and end up going backwards 10 percent in one day. You know, if it, if it's where we're all gonna have bad days. I have bad days. They have bad days. And just keep building along. What are the signs when you feel like you're putting too much pressure on a horse? How do you know that? Well, usually I put too much pressure on a horse when I get nervous, um, and and I think the first signs of them showing that I am putting too much pressure on them is you know they'll start getting a little bit nervous, um, and and just knowing your horse, you know walking in the stall to catch them and having that personal relationship with your with your horse and we have a lot of horses here and our business has changed quite a bit in the last year but still having that one-on-one -on -one time with them to know what kind of mood those horses are in you know when you walk in to catch them or when you go to boot them up or when you're headed down to the arena um i think if you're if you're aware and paying attention to the situation um they're going to tell you when they're unhappy you know but that has taken some time because you know before I'd try to work through it and put them in a good mood you know instead of backing off and maybe dropping them down the road one day or we rope on them quite a bit um, just doing other other things with them you think doing other things helps their mind it helps ours sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sure does I think I think giving them giving them some free time it, it sure does help them yeah, yeah. what about a moment of greatness that stuck with you and why you felt like that particular moment came together? Oh, uh, there's, um, there's been a lot of those too, but um, it was pretty special the past two years at the Derby, um, being fortunate enough to win that. And um, I don't know why it came together. But it, but it, did, it just did, you know. In both years, I felt very confident. Um, finals day, <clears throat> and and it felt like everything just kind of fell into place. And it was, um, there's been a few, there's been a few of those, you know, moments. Let's talk about those derbies. So the last year's derby, 2017 NRHA Derby, that was your first major derby win, right? Yes. So what was that feeling like? Oh gosh, uh, I cried. Uh, <laughs> um, it was uh, it was it was very very special. That was that that horse's <clears throat> little bayhawk um, was his name, and that was the last major event that I was we were going to with him. He was five years old, um, and he'd been knocking on the door kind of you know for the past two years, and I'd make finals on him and whatnot, and and he'd. You know, it came together that week, and it was very special. He had big runs. He had a big fence run to finish it. Um, and it was a weight lifted off of my shoulders. You know, there's so much pressure that I put on myself about you know, winning an event like that. Um, and very grateful and thankful for the times that I got to make the finals, but you can't help but think about winning and not being second or third or fourth, you know. Um, so... I think that was a, a moment of kind of clarity that it does happen. You are going to get to win some and and that you can win. So leading up to that, the prep, did anything feel different? 
Um, well, I'd like to say yes, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, really. Uh, it went real smooth leading up to it, um, you know, this year as well. Uh, this year my mare was actually at the breeding farm, and so I, go, I got her just two and a half, three weeks before the derby started. And um, But, you know, I think any time that you have shows like that, it's... Uh, they, it usually goes pretty smooth leading up to it and, and why you're there, you know, and not having any major issues and everybody happy. So with Little Bayhawk last year, what was that horse like? He was a really neat horse. Um, I got to show him his three-year-old year and shared him with the uh, owner and non-pro, Stephen Silva. And uh, Morgan Cromer had uh, rode him quite a bit his three-year-old year as well and she she ended up showing him at the Pacific Coast cutting fraternity just weeks after we had got done showing him at Reno the sample bit fraternity um, and she'd made the finals on him there and and that was a that was a neat experience because <clears throat> having her train that horse um, and out of the herd it taught me a lot you know, catching that feel that she was constantly putting on him, and I'd sneak him back down here and probably mess it all up for her. But that was a good learning experience for for me. Um, out of the herd work, you know, getting better, and that was something I was concentrating real hard on at the time. I'd had some trouble <clears throat> in in the herd work and in the cutting, and and so she was very in, influential there, and that horse was as well. Of of trying to step that game up. Was there something in particular that you feel like changed that you learned about the river? Um, having the confidence here at home. And, and, and yeah, I would have to say that, having that confidence and, and knowing where your end destination is, you know, because she'd had that horse trained. And so having that feeling of, of knowing where you're supposed to go and maybe not even knowing how to, how to get there, but... <clears throat> At least having what the end result should feel like, um, and then you can kind of start putting the puzzle together a little bit. So the horse showed you how it should be, and then yeah. you're able to yep. figure it out more from there. Yep. So then this year on Shining, sorry, this year on Shiner's Diamond Cat, another special horse. Yes. Going to the Derby, did you feel like you had an opportunity to win on this horse? Um, I sure hope so. Um, that mare is very, very special, and I fumbled it a few times last year at some at the fraternities with her. Um, she won the go rounds at at Fort Worth at the fraternity, and was leading going into the fence work in the finals. And we had a little bit of rough luck <coughs> in the fence work in the finals. And um, so that, there again, it was I felt like there was some pressure weighing on me. Um, because she's such a special animal and she's such a good horse and so trying not to let her down is the hardest part of the whole you know the, I think the whole thing with her um, so it was very gratifying for her to go win that show um, because in and somebody asked me about that right after the show and it was it was way more about her than it was about me having her go and <laughs> Go and get a title like that because she deserves it. So it sounds like she likes her job. She loves it. Yep, yep. And she's taught me a lot too. <clears throat> she's a she's a very very special horse. 
very talented, huge work ethic, um, and and very very smart. She lets you know when we're going at it the wrong way, you know. And I feel like she's uh, in, the, in the past year she's she's taught me a lot and kept me in check. You know, she's she's not afraid to let you know if you're going down the wrong path. How does she let you know? She just just gets a little, you know, I don't know. It's just like we talked about earlier, walking her down to the arena. I can tell if I've got her mad at me or not, and and it hasn't happened very many times. Um, but just like when your wife gives you the dirty look, you know, I feel like that's our relationship because she she's not as happy walking down there to that pen to go and go get worked, and she has a huge work ethic. Um, so she's uh she's taught me a lot on just being able to back off and and let her do her job try to stay out of her way because she's a very very smart horse so is that usually when she gets mad at you is when you're getting in her way yep yep trying to do too much or trying to change something about her or about our style or about our training program and and her because she's a very confident horse um very very confident mare but yeah if you if i get to if i get to try and too hard on her Instead of just letting the works happen day in and day out and letting the show happen. And, and, and I felt like I learned a lot <clears throat> at, at this last show, the Derby. Um, and not, <clears throat> not necessarily about her, but just about competing and, and the horses in general. Um, letting the cards fall where they fall and not, not over trying. Um, we've got to try hard here at home training them and, and, and the same at the show, but, Sometimes I think that we can uh, put too much pressure on ourselves and on them and the situation and end up causing <clears throat> causing it to get worse. How do you put that into practice? So maybe thinking about your finals run on our this year and not trying too hard, what does that look like? Oh, gosh, I just tried to wiggle my toes a lot when I walked in the show pen. <laughs> um, so the but it, it doesn't it didn't really happen to me um, in the herd work because it was the first event, um, and she was real good there um, in the in the rain and same thing. We had an early draw, and, and I wanted to do good, and, but I was able to keep that under control and, you know, just go have the best run we possibly could have um, <clears throat> without going too hard and tipping the boat over. Um, and I tried to have that same mindset going into the fence work. Um because I, you know, I realized there was, I had a few mistakes there at, at Fort Worth at the fraternity last year, trying a little bit too hard, um, getting too amped up in that boxing, and then carrying over into running down the fence and circling, and and so just staying real, real calm and per, just having a run like you'd have at home, um, and trying not to force the situation. Um, and that cow was real, real tough. <clears throat> there at the derby and so it would have been easy to force the situation but um i felt like everything stayed under control and that had a lot to do with the success she had is there an element of trust when showing your horse oh yeah it's all trust yeah so what does that mean when you walk in there and you trust your horse um well when you trust your horse i feel like you can do the best shot job you possibly can showing them off you know and asking them for for what they've what they've got if you've if you've got some distrust in one there's no way you're going to write it to the potential that it needs to be ridden is there anything in particular that you do for yourself 
for you, Dosho? No, just try to keep uh, try to keep everything under control. Um, not overdo it, not overthink it. Try to stay calm and relaxed, and 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 that's going to help them stay real calm and relaxed as well. So before you, when you're getting ready, you're out in the practice and you're getting ready to show. Are you a quiet person? Do you need to be left alone? Are you focused on what you're doing, or are you kind of just trying to go with it and talk? What it, talk about that, what it, like? it depends. Um, I feel like I've been caught doing both of them. You know, cracking jokes and having fun, and try to keep the try to keep the nerves under control, or just being real quiet and. And and I like them. I think the reason that we all do this is that certain amount of nerves that you get. Um, I know that's what draws me to competing so much. Is there's no better feeling in the world than having that little bit of nerves walking into that show pen or or leading up to it, um, but just keeping them under control. And then this year, you were set to win it, you were having good runs, but Clayton Etzel was right on your tail. Were you nervous all the way up to the end of that class? Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, he was, um, he's been on fire this year and has some great derby horses, and I knew he was in a good position on on the one horse that um, it was very possible for him to catch us, and, and he had a great run, and, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty nerve-wracking there for a bit. And in another interview, you said you've got to learn how to lose before you can learn how to win. Yeah. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Um, well, I know uh, in my short career here so far that I've been taught that <laughs> more times than I want to even talk about. Um, but... But knowing how to come home from a horse show that maybe wasn't quite as successful, and you can interpret it a million different ways, you know, but one, one way that I think about it is you come home from a horse show that didn't go quite as well as you had hoped, and you um, better just, you know, dig down deep and get back to work and figure out where the loopholes were and, and what had went wrong. Um, and, and just the sportsmanship in general of it, I think, is a, is a big deal. Um, you know, not being a poor loser. Yep. So what about an example about coming home and evaluating what went wrong? Uh, this year at the Stakes, actually. I went down there. Um, we had a great year last year. And then we went to our first show in Fort Worth. The, the, the first show of the year was in Fort Worth this year, and we went to that Southwest Rain Cow Horse Derby there, and, and it was successful. Um, and uh, we got home and started preparing for the stakes, and it uh, the stakes was a disaster for the most part. You know, I, I felt like my horses were good leaving here at home, and I don't know what happened, um, but... I just didn't get shown down there very well, um, and I ended up making one back to the finals and, and had a little rough luck in the finals, but uh, coming home and, and trying to simplify it, um, try to keep things, you know, try to keep things simple and, and just get back to uh, working our horses. And, and giving them the confidence they they need to go to the next horse show, you know, I think we got to, or I know I, I know I got to try in too hard.
um, trying to make things happen. I went down there wanting to win it, and instead of just having my horses prepared and seeing where where it ended up with, you know, what we ended up with. So on that keeping it simple and getting it back to keeping it simple point, can you tell us maybe specifically with one of the horse? You don't have to name the horse in particular if you don't want, but if you came back and, and how you readjusted and... Shiner's Diamond Cat um, is the perfect example. I came home from that show um, and went went to work on her a little bit and tried to just get her in a good spot um, because I went down there and I showed her too hard and, and she came home from there uh, a little bit frazzled. She didn't make the finals. Um, <clears throat> but she came home from there uptight and, and just not herself. Um, and so I went to work on her and, and tried to get her Tried to get her in a good spot, and then she went to a, the breeding farm, like I said, for a month and a half, and that was probably the best thing that could ever happen to her, is when she came back, uh, there was no pressure. Um, she'd been at the breeding farm. I knew I needed to take my time to get her ready um, and just make sure she was in good shape, make sure she was happy. <clears throat> and she's already trained, um, and, and remembering that, you know, trust your training and and let the chips fall where they fall and and I didn't have too much time to overthink it and so when she went into the derby I felt like she was peaking right at the right time and she gave me a sense of you know of confidence she had six huge runs and um, and I felt like I just felt like that's the way the week was going um, but I know I didn't overdo her I didn't I didn't try too hard she went in there and she felt better the day I left the derby than the day she got there. So I think that that was a big learning experience this year. Was there something that you changed with your mindset from the stakes to the derby then? Oh, yeah. 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 And and I, I, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest, um, other than the fact of uh, just, just practicing. You know, practicing what we do here at home at the horse shows. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe that really, to be honest. So it sounds like you try to be consistent from home yep. to the horse shows. You don't go to the horse shows and change anything. No, no. And then we'll pick little things up here and there. That, <clears throat> But I think having uh, the willpower to say, no, I'm not going to try that, or, yeah, I think this could fit into our program, and we could probably show them a little bit right now, and um, it's it's not going to hinder us. It's only going to help us. Um, but, yeah, I think they need to, they definitely need to keep the same program at the horse show that they've been, you've been working them at home. And, and our program changes monthly and, and yearly. Um, you're always trying to learn new things that, or making it easier on the horses or easier on us or um, so things are going to change a little bit but just not not overdoing it and stepping too far outside the other side so with horses like Shiner's Diamond Cat those, those special horses do you think they know when they're showing oh I know they yeah I know they do yeah there's a lot of horses that you know they they know they know when you're showing um and i some of them get pretty show smart you know and and we've got to go to school on shows to and i think they know when they're getting schooled too and you know they know what the magnitude of the show is um probably mostly by us and and what our emotions are there but no for sure they they know
them like showing? I think a lot of them do, yeah. Yep, I've had some pretty special horses that when they walked in that show pen, their ears went up and their eyes got bright, and they, I think they really do love it. Like showing off. Yep. So maybe at home or at the shows, I kind of asked you about that, but any personal habits that you feel contribute to your success, things that you do for yourself? At the show or at home? Either. Um, work ethic, um, waking up and, and working horses every day. You know, we've, uh, I've got a great team here at home. Uh, the boys are unbelievable. Without them, there's no way that we could do what we're doing. Um, but, and they, they all crave it and they love it. And they wake up and come to work every day with a good attitude. And, and I would have to say that that's, uh, that's got to be the biggest part of it. So on the work, work ethic part, how many days a week are you guys out here working the horses? And uh, we try to we try to take one day a week off, and usually it doesn't work, um, <laughs> and we end up working seven days a week. But um, we try to we try to get a little bit of free time to kind of clear our heads. But um, we're out here fairly early and go till dark and get through all our show horses in the mornings, and then. Um, in the afternoons, start on the two-year-olds. What's your favorite thing about the horses? Um, learning how to train them day in and day out. You know, it's a constant battle to uh, figure out what the next, what the next best move is. You know, and and having it make sense to the horses and making it easy on them. And I think just the challenge of training a rain cow horse is what gets me up every morning and wanting to come to work. What's so challenging about it? Everything, <laughs> all of it is um, keeping the horses, keeping the horses happy, um, and not overworking them, um, not underworking them. It's just the whole part of them preparing a three-year-old to go show in three events um, is very tough. You, you know, they're you'll, here here at home. We usually work them three days in one event and switch three days in the next event event and switch and and having them be able to uh, switch from event to event and it's fun the you know at the beginning of the year it takes you all day or all three of those days to get them switched to the next event and then as we start gearing into fraternity season um, having those horses be able to switch events you know and just a few hours, be able to go herd work them and then turn around and rain work them a little bit and having them be able to switch their mindsets into that next event, um, that's very challenging, but that's something that I am drawn to the most, um, that I, I really enjoy trying to get them horses to, you know, realize what the, how they're going to hold their body, you know, or carry their body and... Um, for example, like in the herd work, they have a lot of draw and everything's backwards. And in the rain work, it's, you know, everything's forwards and they're soft. And um, then in the fence work, <clears throat> it usually it gets going pretty fast and it's kind of a combination of all of it. And so um, I'd have to say that, that that would be the funnest part about about this. The never-ending challenge. Yeah, the never-ending challenge. Yep, and the great horses and great people, yeah. you know. Have you ever come across a particularly challenging horse? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And how do you get through to those horses? Try to just try to figure out how to train them. Um, 
and and most of it boils down to being patient with them um, and figuring out you know what way they're gonna let you in you know most of the time it's well all the time it's mental you know having them horses get to a spot where they're ready for for you to teach them something and they're willing to learn it ever come across one that you didn't get through to oh yeah 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 there's some <clears throat> you know there's some that I think with the level of competition we have now they're not all going to be show horses um, whether it's physical limitations or mental limitations um, and that's a hard part of it too is being able to see when a horse isn't isn't going to do it isn't going to you know be cut out cut out to do it and instead of ruining that horse for forever in all disciplines you know being able to switch their career um, switch their career or switch their path and they might be an excellent rope horse or an excellent trail horse or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I, yeah, I can't say I, I definitely can say that there's a lot of them I haven't gotten through to, but you know, the next person here in the barn might be able to get through them, or the next trainer down the road might be able to get through them. But trying not to ruin that horse in my possession is, I think, the best, um, the best I can do. As far as the Range cow horses go. What do you look for in a great horse? Um, work ethic in that horse. Um, I think that's a that's a huge part of it. Um, they're you know they're all going to be different with their uh, athleticism and and the capability of, of things that they can do. But but I think a horse that has a great work ethic that comes out every day and wants to learn something. Um, that keeps trying. That, that all the great horses I've had have had that mindset. It seems like. So with a horse like that, how do you approach approach that horse? Very carefully. Try not to screw him up. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be easy to get excited and put a ton of pressure on the horse and want to. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it is actually. It is. Um, but just spending spending the quality time with them. And um, going out, going about it just like you would, you know, any other horse. Just putting your time into it. Any really great pieces of guidance that you've been given as a horseman? Um, my dad told me one time to always keep learning, and when you stop learning, you might as well stop training horses. Um, that's something that I has stuck with me and, and I think about a lot. Yep. How do you keep learning? Stay open minded and, and <clears throat> find 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 somebody that's doing something better than you are or has a better program and you know, just get on the phone and call them. Um, it's amazing how how open this world is, um, the horse world. Everybody's willing to help you, um, and and it may it may be something to do with your training program, or it may be something that you might be fighting your head a little bit on. Um, but it's pretty neat the the people that are here to stand behind you and get you out of a out of a jam, whether it's a horse training jam or a mental jam or whatever it might be. Has it happened to you recently? I, I would have to say, yeah, they're between the stakes and the derby a little bit, um, and I got to spend some <laughs> I got to spend some time with 
some really good friends and and colleagues and just get to a get to a little better spot. Um, the boys that work here, Russell Probert, Jared Jones, and and Danny Sanchez, they I think we're always constantly trying to help each other out with that. They're trying to keep me keep me in line, and if they see something that I'm doing that isn't making sense, <clears throat> put me back in check, and you know the same thing with them. And it's uh, that makes it really fun having a lot of eyes on you and having having an open relationship with them and, and being honest with them where your feelings aren't going to get hurt, but you're just going to wake up the next day and try a little harder or try to do something better. Sometimes a second pair of eyes can be so important. Yes, very so much, much so. what we do is unconscious. Yeah. Um, what about, is there anything in the last few years where you feel like your mind has changed about something or your approach has changed? Uh, yeah, I think a lot, and I, I I don't I don't know how to answer that really. But um, no, I know I know it has. Uh, Gloria and I started a family, and I have a two-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And um, it's uh, I actually listened to Sarah Dawson's podcast before you got here, and um, we're not rocket scientists, and we're not saving lives, um, and just kind of chilling out and you know that family is very special to me um and i still wake i mean i wake up right now and crave training horses more than i ever have um but i think i've touched on it a lot today and and i'm going to say it again i'm not overdoing it and and <clears throat> not not over not trying too hard and and screwing things up you know keeping calm and um, staying out of your own way. Yeah. What about showing? Do you have any superstitions? Um, well, I can't say that I make a habit out of putting my hat on the bed or breaking mirrors or walking under a ladder, but no, I don't think I, I, I don't really. I don't. Just try to keep Keep calm. And yeah, keep yeah. Mindset. It's easy to uh, it's easy to create superstitions in your head if you let them, but no, I I don't really. You also coach some non pros. Mm -hmm. What are some consistent things you see across your non pros? Maybe something you're you're telling them over and over again that we could learn from. Um, taking your time to warm your horse up and get them prepared for what you're going to do that day. How much time do you take? To it just depends. It depends. I, there's not a there's not an answer to that, but um, depending on what event I'm doing with them that day or what <clears throat> what maneuver even that I'm doing with them that day, I'm trying to get them prepared uh, for that session, you know. And that warm up may last 30 minutes, and I may work on that maneuver for 30 seconds. Um, and, but if I I feel like if we do a good job warming them horses up, it takes a lot. Less time to get what we're looking for. Do you have a plan going into that warm-up? Um, usually, and then it usually changes a hundred times throughout the warm-up. But um, no, yeah, I, I always I, I have certain things that I'll do to try to break part, body parts loose or get them soft or get them thinking and having them use their their head, you know, leading up to leading up to doing whatever I'm I'm going to ask them to do that day. Um, I think them thinking their way out of a bind or a jam um, 
they've got to kind of learn that a little bit. Um, so they're not totally reliable on you. Is that particularly for the cat Yeah, yeah, yep. I would say so. Yep. Um, having yeah, having them you know learn how to think and and help you out when you need help. Um, that's a big part of it. But but warming them up and getting everything soft and limber that needs to be um, before you start doing whatever you're going to do. Do you approach the rain work any differently? Yes, I would say I would say so. Um, maybe not the warm up sessions really. I mean, I'm doing different things. You know, I, like I said earlier, I feel like um, going into the herd work, I <clears throat> do a lot of backing up and backing around, and, um, and then on the rain work days, I end up pushing them forward a lot and getting things soft as I'm going forward more. And is, that's because the rain work is more, more forward and yep. the cat work is more yep. back? Yep. And is that somehow correlated in the horse's mind? what they're about to go do. Yes, I think so. I think so. And and what I said earlier about having them horses um, be able to transfer from event to event um, in the shortest time frame as possible, um, that's <clears throat> that's very, very important for me. Um, and so I'll do little maneuvers or um, start riding them just to hair different from event to event, you know. And... and Usually by the three-year-old year, the beginning of their four, the end of their three-year-old year, beginning of their four-year-old year, they're starting to pick that up pretty good, of what, you know, what we're going to go do before it even happens, just on maybe my warm-up program or or how I'm riding them. So then, this is my my favorite question. But today, what would you say your specialty is? What is your trainer superpower? Um, I don't know how to answer that about me. Um, I think our program is uh, the team that I have behind me. You know, I I we got to give all credit to them. You know, my family and our owners and the horses that we have. And um, I know that sounds like it's really a diplomatically correct answer, but <clears throat> that's honestly what I feel like. Um, we have something pretty special going on here, you know, with uh, just the atmosphere of the barn every day. So we do have some young, ambitious trainers who listen to us. So from that perspective, what would you be your advice in building a program like that, having such a great team? Uh, staying positive and um, surrounding yourself with, with good people that are on your team that want uh, to see you succeed. I think is uh, is a big part of it. Um, somebody that's uh, <laughs> gonna take your style as a trainer and and um, give you little pieces of knowledge that are gonna be able to fit in your program without just completely changing you. You also kind of mentioned a few times about making sure that the horses are happy. Mm -hmm. is, do you feel like is there something you do differently with your horses or something special? Um, I know I can't say I can't say that really um, like I said earlier we ride them outside quite a bit and we'll rope on them and they've got usually one day a week they get turned out to go kind of screw around and you know go play in the arena a little bit and give them their give them the free time that they need yeah free time can be so yeah. important yeah yeah I really I believe in that a lot 
So we're kind of coming up on time here, but any parting piece of guidance, any general advice for people looking to become a better horseman or woman? Mm, stay positive. Stay positive and, um, you know, treat your horse the way you would want to be treated. <laughs> Where will we see you next? Um, so we're getting ready. We're kind of getting geared up for the fraternity season, and we go to uh, NSHA fraternity in Vegas this year, um, and then uh, the Reno Snafflebit fraternity, and then we head back to Fort Worth for the Snafflebit fraternity. So we get to hit all three of them this year, and um, we're pretty excited about it. Busy season. Yep, busy season. You're also participating in the Wild Space. Fraternity yes. Marino, yep. Yep. How's that going? Uh, it's been fun. It it really has been fun. Um, we'll see. It's getting close now. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a neat little mare and um, is coming along good. So we'll just see see how it goes. Has it been any different training her than some of the others? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a bit different. Um. The boys have spent a lot of time on her. I honestly can't say that I've probably put my percentage of the work into her that I needed to but um, just because we've had a busy busy year this year but they've uh, they've done a great job with her and um, she's had some physical limitations um, through this year and in, in training her so so you know it's been it's I think it's been a learning experience for everybody watching her get over get over that and, and figure out how to use herself like a rain cow horse um, and it's been pretty fun to watch very cool. We'll yep. keep an eye out yep. at all three, especially. So we can learn more about you on Facebook at Justin Wright Performance Horses. Anywhere else we should look out? Um, that's pretty much. We kind of keep that updated pretty good on what we're doing and where we're going. And yep. Great. Well, check them out there. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs>